Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie, he was a co-host on the US version of Top Gear, and his current stand-up special is called, It's Scary in Here, it's available for you free on YouTube. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Guys, I can't talk to you now. They're here. It's showtime. <laughs> and we got a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is a very funny comedian. You know him from the movie Joker, uh, from the Great Depression on HBO. He's my pal, and his name is Gary Goldman. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, join our conversation. And our super fan shout out is for Corey. Say hi to Corey, everybody. Hey, Corey. Hey, Corey. How you doing? Corey sent me a nice email. Honey, if they get a, want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Corey is a volunteer fireman. He came to see me in Poughkeepsie at the Laugh It Up Comedy Club. Uh, very nice dude. So, yeah. And Phil is coming in. Phil is coming in this weekend, uh, and he's coming in hot. Yeah, and I'm coming in Sunday night, all right? I don't want any bullshit, all right? I'm coming from Alaska. I'm going to be cold and wrathy. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right? Okay. All right? All right, no bullshit. I'm serious. I just, just I don't want you to be on a horse. I don't want you to be on TV. I don't want you to be on the air. All right? Just pick me up. Just a normal ride. Okay. Okay, that was that was the that was the end of a phone call we had the other night. Now I'm going to explain to you how he got there. Yes. Yeah, he's in there. Yeah. He's coming in uh, from Alaska, uh, and you might have heard him say he, he's a little rashy. <laughs> little little rashy. Little That's rashy. always tough. I didn't focus on that, Adam. Yeah, he's a little rashy. <laughs> well, he is. Yeah. So what happened was uh, we were communicating all week. Uh, and we have we have to send each other voice text because that's how we have to communicate when he's on the ship uh, until he updated the WhatsApp and I had to update my WhatsApp. So here's a couple of the voice texts so you know what's going on. How uh, to get hydrocortisone cream? All right. Where is your fungus? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you think that's a logical question? Coming out of you? No. Why not? <laughs> because you're full of mischief. When it comes to Phil. Yes. Well, I, I, I was sincere in asking him the question, but Phil, I, Phil didn't take it that way. Let's have that be the one and only time you say the sentence, where is your fungus, to me. He was upset. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was I, upset. I don't want anyone asking me that question. Where's your fungus? Well, I wouldn't ask you. I would just, uh, I would tell you to point. I would not discuss it with you. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. For, for those of you listening, my beautiful wife is fungus free. Okay. <laughs> Phil, not so much. Obviously, the fungus is in a delicate area and <laughs> you have some shame attached to it. So uh, I won't push. <laughs> I just want you to know that I love you no matter where you itch. <laughs> Come on. It's not a nice sentence of unconditional love. You're like a psychological surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> He knows right where to cut, doesn't he? Yes. Just knows the point of weakness with that every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I told him. I said, <laughs> "Look, it turns out it's on his foot. He's got a he, he, he's got a foot fungus, mm-hmm. or, or his ankle or something." <laughs> he told me. So I was like, "Listen, maybe you don't want to get better. Maybe you feel like you that, that, that you've done something wrong, and this is your place." Like, what? What is wrong with you? <laughs> he was penance. Yeah, he was all flipped out, and I just kept hammering. And then karma. I told him, "I said, listen, whatever's going on psychologically, take care of the physical first, and then we'll work on that." He's like, "What is wrong with you?" He's yelling at me. Because oh, I said, I said, Phil, you got to be a friend to your feet. You know, <laughs> you don't want to get jung- jungle rot. That's what happened to those poor soldiers in Vietnam, Phil. I said, Phil, it cost us the war. Got to keep those socks dry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just. I think it was a little more than that, but go ahead, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, he, he had enough because when he travels and stuff, he can't, he can't take it. He can't focus on too many things. <laughs> so we had to update WhatsApp. So I kept asking about the feet, and then we finally updated WhatsApp, and I sent him a picture to test it. I was merely testing WhatsApp. You told me to update You're it. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know? What, what the fuck? I mean, they just sent me a text. Okay, you got your WhatsApp. You downloaded it. Good. You sent me a crusty toe. <laughs> <laughs> well. You sent me a picture of an old, decrepit, crusted toe. It was disgusting. <laughs> Of course you did. I don't dare Google that no. ever. Now you don't want to see this one. No. I, found, I found it. And I went, ooh, I, I need a minute. <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> I found the picture. I went, ah, that's the one, but I can't look at it. <laughs> so I closed my eyes and pushed send. <laughs> and that was my test. <laughs> so the test was successful. You got it. No, it wasn't successful because I had salmon that was delivered to me in room service. I was ready to eat it at a miso glaze, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to eat it. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, here's, oh, what's up? Oh, he downloaded what's up. What is this stuff? It's a crusty fucking toe. Oh, I'm getting ready to eat salmon. And the fucking toe looked just like the miso glaze. Isn't <laughs> that funny? It's all kind of shine. I was like, oh, what the fuck? I got to see the Jesus. All kind of shine. <laughs> he couldn't eat the miso glaze. <laughs> and he was so angry at me because the text came in just as he sat down. Uh-huh. Just as he sat down, that's when the text came in. <laughs> and this is what he learned. I don't know why. Was he, I don't know how you do this with the You, you manipulate the universe. Just know it's fucking me at the right time. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I was like, oh, fuck. All right, there he is. I'm not eating salmon. <laughs> it's a nice piece of salmon, too, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you know, check, check. One, two. <laughs> you know? No. So, so yeah. So, the, so it just happened that way. I just sent it. That's when it happened. And so the only conclusion I can come to is God wants this to happen. <laughs> Good luck with that. There yeah. <laughs> Here's some sound miso glaze, Mr. Tagliferis. Thank you very much. Ding ding. What's this? Ah, shit. So there you go. <laughs> it definitely feels like higher power is involved in this. I don't yeah. have any control over that. That's mm-hmm. what God wants everyone to be amused by. This is what I'm thinking. Uh huh. And there's a deeper message here because I want Phil, Phil has to get rid of that shame and accept all parts of himself. I think that's the larger message I want to put forth from this conversation. <laughs> I'm just glad that you're, you're getting the help you need for your shame and your, and your rash. 
work with this for a couple days this <laughs> right. now you know what you need to do what when you when you pick them up at the airport you yeah. meet them at the gate you got to get one of those like outfits like they you know like a mascot but it's just like a big thing of cortisone cream and, you know yeah. your arm sticking out of it yeah like, hey phil i'm here just Look. walk up yeah or i'll just you know what i'll pick them up with I'll, I'll i'll find an old podiatrist and i'll just pick him up <laughs> and i'll say i want you to meet dr yang what? Yeah, get in the back seat with Dr. Yang. Why? Just take off your shoe. He's fine. He needs a, this is a, I, I want to make sure you're okay. What? I just came in from Alaska. I can't stop. <laughs> Dr. Yang will help you. Accept, Dr. Yang will help you accept the, the rash. He will also to accept who you are. You know, good old fucking life, dude. <laughs> Do something. Focus on every time you're gonna fuck with me, just take a breath and go, I'm gonna focus on something positive. <laughs> and I'm gonna do that instead. See what you get done. <laughs> I'm working. I'm traveling around all kind of ships. My life is already shit enough. <laughs> 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 yeah, so all right, so Phil is coming in Sunday. I'm gonna go pick him up at the airport and I'm very excited he's gonna spend a couple of days with us. You better let me know if there's something really wrong with him because I just cleaned the sheets. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll have I'll have Dr. Yang forward you his report <laughs> on Phil's feet and his mental health. Okay. Oh God, that made me laugh. That made me laugh. And I, and I, and the reason I thought of it is because I had a conversation with Gary. He went through his HBO show, The Great Depression. Was he went through this this really big depression? I mean, like. Like, he checked himself in and got himself some help. And uh, I'm very proud of him. He's a very funny dude. And one of the things he said is you got to accept all of yourself. You know, all the things you don't like about yourself. You just have to accept every aspect of yourself to be a healthy individual. That's from, you know, from the top of your head to the bottom of your disease-crusted feet. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And he's a great guy, and I really enjoyed talking to my pal. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. Each one of us are handled situations and circumstances that we would never have chosen for ourselves. Make peace with what is. True fulfillment and satisfaction and peace only come when we're able to finally accept those circumstances and situations that we would never have chosen for ourselves. I love you no matter where you itch. <laughs> You are listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you will never get back. Liar! It's closer to an hour! Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard 
just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Ah, yes, some summertime fun heading your way. I got some stand-up dates for you. June 24th and 25th, I'll be at the Grand Comedy Club in Escondido, California. July 1st and 2nd, I'll be back at one of my favorite clubs, Cobbs in San Francisco. July 8th and 9th, I'm going home to Strong Island, baby. McGuire's Comedy Club in Bohemia. It's right by my mother. I'm going to see my mom. And July 10th, I will be at Soul Joel's in Jefferson, Pennsylvania for one night only. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes or you can go to my website and click the link there. Uh, if you can make any of these gigs, please come by and let me shake your hand and thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on. Get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird. My guest this week is a writer, comedian, and a tall, handsome man. He was a finalist in Last Comic Standing. He has appeared on every late-night show there is, and he is headlined Carnegie Hall. His stand-up specials include In This Economy on Comedy Central, It's About Time on Netflix, The Great Depression on HBO, and his new special is called Born on Third Base. You've seen him in the movie Joker, and despite all these accomplishments, he would not last one shift at Chipotle. <laughs> in the interest of full disclosure, I think you all should know I have such knuckles for this fella. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal Gary Goldman. How are you, baby? Oh man. We go back uh, we go back to probably July of ninety-nine, I think. God, yeah, I think so. Well, probably even before that. I met you uh out here when you were in LA when you were living at the uh, Boca de la Vista. What was that retirement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Park La Brea. Park La Brea, yes. Which at the time it was and this, this is crazy, right? It was $1,100 a month for one bedroom of like 1,000 square feet. Yeah, it, it, was, it was like when, when reasonable people could get reasonable rents and live in a reasonable place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but apparently it's two decades and it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and you've been doing great, my friend. How is your world? I ran it to you in New York and I, I asked you to do this for me and you graciously said yes. Oh, I've been, I've been wanting to do it for years now and the, the time never lined up. But uh, yeah, everything is, everything is good in that to, to us, to people who really love doing stand-up, as long as we have a, a calendar... <laughs> that is that is not even full but there, there's this moment in in joan rivers that documentary a piece of work yep. where she where her manager says uh get out your calendar and she says let me put on my sunglasses 
because it was so it was so uh, empty that it was blinding her. Yeah. And and that's how I mean, if you haven't gone through that in your career at some point, I, I, I worry about you. Yeah. If you haven't, it's coming. Yes. <laughs> It's so true. Yeah. My wife, my wife, uh, we have actually have a code now because my wife is like, what's the matter with you? I went, Joan Rivers, you saw it. Doesn't get any better. All right. Doesn't get any better because we were watching that together. And I went, that's it. She just articulated it. That's the terror right there. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it incredible? And at every level, I was I was sitting with my with my manager yesterday and I said, oh, that's right. You don't have to remind me. It never ends. Yeah. It never ends. No, never ends. But it's it's the way we navigate it and get through it. And you you've done it well. Well, the the thing is, is that I I, we all are standing on the shoulders of of giants. So Uh you had that vibe. I remember instead of seeing me because you were like maybe three years ahead of where I was mm-hmm. as far as you had gone through the development deals and, and all that. And instead of saying, fuck this new kid, you, I remember you telling me go into every meeting and complain about how many meetings you have. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they will, they will realize that you're a commodity. And, and, and I said, but I don't have that many meetings. He says, you have, pl- you have so many meetings. You're exhausted. Tell them. <laughs> Yeah, it's all bullshit. You go in there. Listen, I'd love to stay, but NBC ordered yeah. me. They ordered me the and, fish, and if I don't get there, it's going to be cold. Yeah, and it worked. It worked. We built our own heat, and it, it was, uh, I mean, some of it was legitimate heat, but some of it was us just going in there and 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 complaining that we were exhausted. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing is like one of the things that I had to learn and I guess, you know, all artists have to learn is there's your product and then there's you. And, you know, and as a younger artist, you're like, you know, you don't like that. You don't like me. And some guys never grow out of that. And that's when, right. you know, and that's when the drinking starts, you know? <laughs> right. But who, who was the, who was the Adam Ferrara who, who took you under their arm? Oh, oh, very good question. Um, uh, I had uh, um, Rob Bartlett, who was, uh, I was in an improv group with him. Uh, he was on the oh, I Miss wow. in the Morning show, and he had an improv group yeah, yeah in, in Queens. And I, I joined the improv group, and he would, he would give you little pieces of advice. I was, oh, okay. And then Chris Rush. Remember Chris Rush? Yes. Yeah. He, sadly, he passed away. He was, he was a genius. But he would give me uh, some advice uh, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a self-sustaining system with the guys that get it. Yeah, it's it's so funny because Keith Robinson and Colin and I were sitting at the cellar table the other night and mm-hmm. and Keith Robinson screamed, Chris Rush. <laughs> Chris Rush was the guy that uh, nobody was was funnier than. Yeah. And his some people's success is inexplicable. Yeah. Some people's lack of success is inexplicable. This business is is. It's so confounding. I know. Look what I got. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. But it's it's a Chris Rush cassette that he recorded at the Bitter End uh, in New York. And I got it on my the desk. Bitter drawer. End is where me and Lenny Bruce and and uh, and uh, Shecky Green, we used to work out on Monday nights 
And then, and then we'd go over to the hungry eye if they were still open and, and we would workshop whatever we had been working on. And then sometimes Jesus and the disciples would stop in and, and we'd workshop a sermon together. Yeah. I told him Nixon can't trust him. You watch. Nobody listened to me. Well, the thing, the thing that, that when the business and when life gets too much for all of us, because uh, I got anxiety and I got depression, too, uh, and uh, it hit you. It hit you really hard. Um, yeah. And you were doing great, man. You were. Was this when the Netflix special went out? And and was it when that was released that you you, you, you said, I got to get some help and took yourself in? Well, I, I mean, I had been getting help all along. We right. all we 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 all have this sort of low grade depression that we manage with, and and some days the the bear wins, and some days you win, and mm. and and then it it got to the point where the one thing that I had looked forward to and was capable at and would kind of redeem each day, which was going to the the comedy clubs and hanging around with the other guys. I, I found myself on stage in a, in a panic yeah. and, and thinking to myself, I may start crying at some point and people would talk about that. Yeah. So I, I, I had to take a, a break from from performing and the and the road and and you, you, we never give people enough credit for understanding. I remember what, what is my manager going to say? What is my agent going to mm-hmm. say? And they 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 were fine with it and and they didn't they didn't drop me and they didn't tell me to shape up or ship out and and it, it was just and and also just about everyone in in my life who I was afraid would have a negative reaction were welcoming and understanding and comfortable with it. So it was, it was just that we, we build up these dragons in our, in our head and they're, they're imaginary. Yeah. It's the scary. You don't want to disappoint people. You'll be abandoned. These are all the things that went through my head. And, but I had the same realization where I was like, I got to get some help was when, and I, I, I remember talking to my friend Mary Ellen Hooper, who was a comic. I just moved out here, and oh, I, I was, love her. yeah, she's a sweetheart, and she was there to yeah. help me when I started going through my stuff. And I said, I can't hear the laughter anymore. That, yes, that's how I phrased it. Wow, that's per- that's perfectly worded because, and you're saying the voices in your head yeah. were so much louder than that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and the thing, totally. the thing that brought me comfort was when I was on stage and I would get that laugh. There was that either that endorphin release or that sense of connecting and community. It wasn't yeah. making the monster go away, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. Yeah, because it 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 worked for so long. And the the other side of it. Is that uh, as as far as comedians go, we're we're gorgeous men, um, <laughs> and people don't people don't understand how the the handsome man can feel can feel blue, and and so it it keeps us from sharing it for for so long, and 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 it just uh, there there are points, and it, and it sounds well, it is crazy. So this is why it sounds crazy. Where you're like, uh, I would, I would rather drop out of this business or jump off my uh, Park La Brea building <laughs> than tell everybody that I need help. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what that is, but then once you get it, you're like, oh, okay. And there's no the thing that got me, guys. Like when, when the lights go on, you're like, oh, okay, that's why, or that's that's a, a, a cause for it. There's no great healing. You're like, the lights are on, and now, holy shit, this room's a mess. Now. <laughs> Yeah, now yeah. I, that was really scary for me. 
And, and I could only imagine, and I wanted to ask you this for you, my mechanism is because when I riff on stage, that, that, that's my, my state of grace is being on stage. I think for all of us it is. And yeah. I, it's, I'm not thinking. And I could just go, especially when I'm improv and work in the crowd, I'm just riffing and going, and I'm outside of myself. But that mechanism went the other way in my head, and it dragged me into the negative, and I got panic attacks. And that's where I felt out of control, because the thing that, that I would surrender to on stage to connect was, was dragging me into the monsters, and I didn't know what to do. And yeah. The reason I want to bring it up for me is because when I watch you work, you're so detailed and I'm taking every turn and you have your your classic bit that went viral was uh, how the states got their abbreviations. Just just brilliant because it starts as a simple premise and then Dottie shows up who's in the office. (laughs) Keep it the minutes. I mean, you you have this Newhart-esque kind of you sit in that pocket. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's that's what. No, totally. And it's and it's totally. um it's a new heart blueprint. It's, yeah. it's I always say we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I yeah. mean, it's it's basically just a, an interpretation of the uh, President Lincoln, yeah, being being coached by his his publicist, by his press agent, <laughs> and and it's just a modern telling of of that, and and not nearly as as well. But I I I. The the one thing I will say is that I made it longer. Mm. Than, yes, than the than the original, but yeah. So so new heart esque exactly exactly what I want to hear. But um, yeah, the the thing is is that I I put my anxiety into preparation. Mm. So the 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 extra sentences and the words and choosing the right word. Otherwise, I'm I'm biting my nails all day and and bouncing off the wall. So I, I I'm opening my notebook rather than rather than that. But it's it's such a sad moment when this thing that was your your uh, oasis uh-huh. becomes an, another source of of anxiety and and panic. But luckily, we 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 have that um, we we have that safety net. Which is we have health insurance, so, yeah. so we can we can. In in my case, I had to go all the way. I had to go into the into the hospital, and, mm. and I'll tell you what I got the when I got out. There's the there's the moment when you feel pretty good because you've you've been treated and you've sort of reset, and then the bills come for the hospital oh. stay, and 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 it's like all a matter of if I can handle this, then I'm I may be on my way but luckily because you look at the bills and they're they'll bankrupt you yeah and then and then somebody explains to you no this is what it would cost if you didn't have insurance and you write a check and you thank god that you're you 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 talked about this the other night i need to get another gig so that i can uh keep on my insurance the worst thing to to have to do is go on cobra yeah it's not a coincidence that cobra is also the name of a deadly snake. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. it's the most frightening position. How long do I have left in the cobra? Do can I afford to go mental? Yeah. Do I have enough? Yeah. So it's 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 just it's you can say what you want about socialism, but people who who admit to having a, a mental illness for a long time couldn't get coverage. Because they had a pre-existing condition, so yeah. I'm, 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 
I'm a socialist at heart. Yeah. yeah. My pre-existing condition is I'm a human being and this shit yes. happens. You know, like, yes. well, yeah. You know, you know, you know who's covered under this? Jesus. He's covered. We got, <laughs> he'll be covered. He's fine. Everyone else where well, you're going to have to qualify. But yeah, but the, the obsessing when I when I talked about how my machine took me down that road and your machine because yeah. you focus on that those little details and when when you can communicate those little details and take that story point and weave it embroider it into this big joke and everything. My question to you is did you find that one little negative thought got blown up and and drag you into that cloud of depression? Well, I think there there is there is a small thing that because I didn't have the perspective and I hadn't done and I had done some work on myself. I hadn't done the right work. Uh-huh. The right work is you need to at some point accept who you are and and stop hiding portions of yourself or th- thinking that portions of yourself are are if anybody found out I was so soft, if I I was so weak, they would they would ridicule me and and stop loving me uh-huh. and and so the lesson i needed to learn was that vulnerability was actually a strength and a and a power and 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 that was in, incredibly helpful so i had told nobody that i was in the hospital i had told nobody that i was suicidal i had uh-huh. told nobody that i had electroconvulsive therapy and there was a lot of shame in it and then i told everybody and it was the elixir. I haven't I haven't had a, a an episode of depression that lasted longer than than twenty four hours in in four years. And mm. and this thing that sounds counterintuitive, tell everybody your biggest secrets, tell everybody what you're most ashamed of is actually the answer. And but in our generation, we were taught to to cover it up. And a man, mm. a man doesn't tell anybody any it's it's that I mean, and we saw it play out on the Sopranos where Tony Soprano wanted to be Gary Cooper and the strong silent type. And it and it was and it was killing him. Yeah. And and it was and it was causing the, the New Jersey branch of La Cosa Nostra to suffer. Uh-huh. And that's that that that's when it became that's when it became an issue was that it was cutting into the violence yeah. and 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 the crime and the and the union busting. Can't you go back to the good old days? You could feel good smacking somebody else around. <laughs> what has happened to this world? Freaking yes. socialists. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I mean it's I I say this and and I'm not not being glib. There's never been a better time to be mentally ill than <laughs> than, than right now, where you have athletes and and leaders of of the the mafia acknowledging that they need help, and you can talk about it, and you don't have to be embarrassed. Or when I was in college, I had a therapist that kept me from quitting the football team mm-hmm. and I used to sneak in and out of his office and look both ways before I exited and, and had a, had a, a, a cover up. Oh, that there, uh, what you don't know about the university counseling services. You also have to go in there to take a uh, drug test. So you can be eligible for football. That's mm-hmm. what the people don't know. That's why I was going there, but it's, it was all a lie and a, and a cover up and, and, wouldn't it have been nice if somebody else back then who was suffering from depression could have seen an athlete who was acknowledging it and admitting it and and it would have shown strength. But I just yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't mature enough yet. Yeah, I was. And I didn't come from a, a culture um, 
or or a family that that that, that was an acceptable thing to do. You know, I was the first one to realize, like, look, there's something wrong here. And I think it's me, you know, so I was the first one to do all that stuff. And I remember when I came home and I was telling my friends and all the guys in the neighborhood, you know, it was, they, I went, you know, I was like, you, you going to therapy? Yeah. He goes, you don't say nothing about me, do you? <laughs> no. It, it's, it's so funny that I know a lot about you from your act, but also we're, we're close mm-hmm. friends. But I I could tell from the father in your act that <laughs> even even if it's just a slight exaggeration yeah. that you were not going to um, tell everybody in your family and community that that you were seeking a therapy nah. they just uh, they just don't get it and and there are still there are still communities there are ethnicities that resist therapy and it's it's uh, I I mean hopefully people like us talking about it will will make people understand that mm-hmm. that being successful or attractive is is not the answer that it's biological and and chemical i mean i i i could say that the my last breakdown that which was the worst stemmed from a a special that didn't go the way i wanted it took me a year to sell my previous special before the great depression mm-hmm. and and the timing is like oh yeah he went crazy after that special didn't sell but really it was it was more that my entire self-esteem was riding on this thing yeah that even in the the best of circumstances you have zero control over whether people show up to your shows or whether you get on tv i mean there's there Yes, there are things you can do. We work hard and we keep writing and we improve and we take acting classes and and we apply ourselves. But there are there are lulls in in everyone's career. And it, it's interesting because I, I I'm, I'm going tonight to see the, the premiere of the new George Carlin yeah. documentary. And he's such a great example in, in every way of what it takes to be a lifelong comedian which is what we strive for in that there were there's there's an interesting point in his career and i didn't remember this or i wasn't aware of it where other comedians were mocking him for not being up to date and Mm. instead of saying i'll just do vegas and i'll 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 play out the string he redoubled his efforts and became the 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 Carlin that probably most people are 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 um, familiar with, which is the 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 I, I guess I, I hate to say truth teller because he transcended that uh-huh. he was he was kind of a prophet. Yeah, because there, there's so many things that 20 years down the line, you, that Carlin was right. And he was saying this in 1991. And, and here's the thing that moved me the most in in doing some research on Carlin is that there was this interview he did in, in Playboy magazine and and Playboy magazine interviews were so incredible. And they had this collection of all the comedians they had interviewed. And Carlin said, and in 1988, I finally figured out what I was doing. And I, I did the math and he uh, he was 51 years old. And and also he was George Carlin. So yeah. he was he was already great. 
And at 51, and it, it reminds me of the drummer from from Rush, Neil Peart, yeah. who was considered the best drummer in the world. And at 40 years old, he took drum lessons and because he, he felt there was some room for improvement. And and those types of stories, I, I mean, I, I collect them. I have a list. It's called Carlin 51. Mm-hmm. And anytime I find something... Uh, about somebody doing something innovative or 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 um, working a masterpiece late in their life, I put it in there because we kind of grew up at a time when comedians stopped. They put their pens down at like forty five years old, mm-hmm. and and then wondered why their 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 the attendance at their shows dwindled, and also why they weren't getting booked on shows anymore. So we, we we really learned a lot of great lessons, but we also have great role models like like Colin Quinn, who who keeps outdoing himself. And 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 George Carlin was another one who just kept raising the bar. And as as a as a comedian, you can see that they they raise the level of difficulty. So that they they could probably do better in most crowds with their act from their 30s, but they keep making it harder and harder to succeed. And, and it's the thing that keeps that challenge is this thing that that keeps us looking forward to get on, on stage every night. Yeah. And you also I it's also for me, it's a reflection of where I am and what I'm saying. Like I because the, the thoughts are on our head or the thoughts are on our head. But when I when it, when it hits an audience, if it doesn't get a laugh, then I'm like, I'm a piece of shit or it's not right yet. <laughs> But if it does get a laugh, like, all right, what am I saying that's connecting? And then, oh, I'm, and then I go back and listen to the tape. I'm like, I'm angry. And George went through that too. I know. And Chris, uh, Chris Rush and George were friends. And, uh, oh, that makes perfect sense. And I, when, when, cause George was helping him get his one man show together when I was hanging out with Chris and we were talking about it. And he, George got really angry after the wife died. And, you know, he's, yes. and he was angry on stage, you know, cause that's our, our truth is found on a stage, I think, Gary. I think that's where we're, I, I think that's where we're conditioned to be able to hear it. So that's when I realized I have to keep writing as and keep growing as an artist because I have this one place where I can see who and what I am and what I'm contributing or not contributing. And am I stagnant? So that's why when we write, I have to keep writing as I get older just to, to, to spend time in the garden. You don't spend time in the garden, the fucking flowers are going to die. It's so true, man. That's a, that's a great, a great metaphor analogy. I, I, but also it's just, and I, I, I've been saying this since I started and it's no less true. That feeling you get when a new joke works. Yeah. It's so exhilarating. It reminds me of, of, of special times in, in sports or, or just in, in, in life where the, this, this, uh, chemical is secreted and you feel intelligent and you feel connected. I mean, it's almost like you get the chills. Yeah. And I, I just want to, I want, it, it, it always reminds me of, of the opening to, to Mitch Hedberg's first album where he says, at some point I will, I will say something extemporaneously <laughs> and you will see it in my stride. <laughs> yeah. And he just, I mean, he was he was not considered like a philosopher at the time, mm-hmm. but so many things he says were so wise. Mm-hmm. He was just considered a funny guy and the heir apparent to Stephen Wright and the greatest of his generation. But he he do you remember the thing where he said um, 
I do comedy and I love doing comedy. And then people come to me and say, can you write a script? Can you act? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it's as if I was a, a great chef. And people said to me, can you farm? <laughs> and, and that's, and, and you are someone I emulate in this regard in that you, yes, you've done a lot of acting, but you're a standup. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, when we first were coming up or 10 years in, you could tell they were in standup to get somewhere else. Whereas I always felt we were somewhere else to get further in standup. Yeah. There, was a, there was a time where you kind of had to have a TV series to get anybody at your show yeah. before the internet. So like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. But yeah. really, if I could snap my fingers, I'd be, I'd be selling out the comedy connection five nights a week. Yeah. That that's the purest form for me. It's the purest expression is stand up because I'm the writer, I'm the producer, I'm the yeah. performer, uh, and I'm yeah. the critic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 I'm no good without the audience. You know, I always look. I always consider the audience to be the chisel, and I'm just sculpted, and I I can't do it without them. You know, but I'll, I'll pound a rock, and they'll they'll help me shape these thoughts and come to a satisfying place or message that comes through me to reach others. That's the kind of lofty shit I put on my art, which means it's better oh, than say it's better than saying a, a book full of jokes, Gary. No, 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 no. I, I I love that chisel thing because I we we are we are sculpting because you'll you'll I mean it 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 also reminds me of of the Arnold Schwarzenegger when he talks about bodybuilding mm. as as sculpting because there's there's symmetry to jokes and so sometimes you'll say well, this gets a really big laugh right here, uh -huh. but it diminishes the laugh later on. So I either need to rearrange it or uh, take it out yeah. or, or undermine it somehow uh, because it's, it's, it's losing the symmetry of the act. I remember um, J.P. Buck from Conan used to call them speed bumps where uh -huh. you would say something funny on the way to the, to the main punchline. He's like, yeah, but it gets something of a laugh, but it really detracts from the from the culmination, it makes it anticlimactic. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the, the, the idea of sculpting with the, with the audience really resonates with me. Mm -hmm. I said to my wife and my friend, I said, there are so many things that you say and you have no idea they're going to get a laugh. You don't even think of them as a piece of comedy yeah. until you say them to an audience, maybe on the way to something you thought was, was funnier. Like I'm sure you'll identify with this. When I was growing up in my house, I had two much older brothers and a, and a father. And so I was the youngest kid and I would always complain that McDonald's um, shouldn't put onions on anything without asking you first. Uh -huh. And my family said, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And everybody laughed when I imitated my family saying, you know what, they know what they're doing, which the only thing I can think is every fucking family must say that <laughs> or, or, or something because it, it's, um, it, it was, and it's another thing where you get the chills. You're like, Oh my gosh, I just, I just tapped into a, um, kind of a, a, a what's that collective unconscious. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what, what, you do this so well in, in terms of discussing relationships and, and Colin is another master in, in the human nature uh. type thing where, oh my gosh, like I remember when we first started hanging out, you had this joke where you found out for the first time in your life 
that posters needed frames. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I realized and, I was a child. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the best compliment from another comedian is, oh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Well, thank it's, you. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great, such a great joke. And it would just annihilate because every man felt the shame and every woman felt the vindication from having said that exact Thing. Yeah. Well, that's that's first of all, thank you for the kind words. And I think you hit upon what we're, we're fortunate enough to experience in our work and our artists. We get to connect uh, whether we're or not. We get to connect to that collective unconsciousness and, and bring it and share it with other people. And that's that's just transcending, you know, the human condition, I think. And I think the depression and anybody out there who's got depression, just try to connect because that's what depression was for me. I wasn't connected. There was no source. I was just dark and yeah, and, and the power totally. was going out. Yeah, and the and the the and it and it's not helpful. But our tendency when we're depressed is to is to isolate and yeah. disconnect. And I, and I always tell people this, and I'm just echoing what my psychiatrist said all along from day one to my wife: drag him out of the house, mm. drag him to the thing he doesn't want to go to. Make him go for a walk. Make him take the dogs out because he will he will fight you on it. But it's listen, it's not an overnight cure, but is it is incremental and it will, re- will reduce the suffering almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. I was just sitting home going, why do other people get joy and not me? You know? So, oh, I know. Well, they- I know. But it's it's so I just I, I want people to know, because when you're in it, you're like, I'll never feel well again. I'll never look forward to anything again. And then on the other side, you're like, I can't believe I was so dejected and and thought there were the other thing was I thought I was going to be Rodney Dangerfield. I thought I was going to be. Well, even if I do make it at 50, what good is it to to have a, a, a career at 50? Um, every it's everything. It's just as enjoyable at, at 50. I mean, a, a, a later success is I've heard it say it's a quieter success Mm -hmm. but also by by all accounts being an enormous celebrity is a curse yeah i listen i fame and wealth give me the money i'd rather be (laughs) give me money give me gary i got the girl i want i just want enough money to take care of her that's what i want totally if i if i had known i could have worked less hard and gotten the same woman uh there's a different result of of all this yeah yeah my wife loved me before any of this and for some reason it wasn't enough and and i had to learn that it was it was everything i wanted yeah i my wife too if i know i didn't have to work as hard and i still get the wife that's why i with all my soul i blame her i go how dare you but to go through what you've gone through and to turn it into art and to use that's using your gift as at its maximum potential and it's of service to other people. And that's one of the reasons I love you so much. Not only you're a great guy and you're a great comic, but you're a great oh. service to other people's you tall, handsome fuck you. Well, that, that's that's really nice to hear. And I'll, I'll I'll accept it, but also point out that the the brave work is getting out of bed when you're feeling lousy. Yeah. And and it was really easy to come out the other side and, and say this happened. I feel great. Listen to how awful this was. Isn't it kind of funny though? Yeah. From this perspective, but when when you're in it, it's 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 hopeless, and 
And un- unfortunately, the thing that you need to get out of it is the very thing, your brain, that is telling you that it's that it's hopeless. So it's mm. just it's so insidious. Yeah. It's, and, and if you don't know what to do, just keep going. That's that's the one thing I want. just keep moving forward. Don't stop. They'll throw dirt on you. Even if you're walking yeah. slowly, just keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I also think we're all we're all convinced that if we take a, a month off or two months off to to look after ourselves, that the entire business is going to move on and, and forget about us. But they, they underestimate how lazy stand up comedians are. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Oh, it was a, it was a it was a pleasure. Any excuse to talk to you uninterrupted, I, I will accept. So thanks for including me on this. And and hopefully I'll, I'm going to be out in L.A. in June. So let's try to have have a, a meal or, or play pool with our. I don't know if you remember our friend Peepers. Peepers, yes, Peepers. Yeah. Let's get yeah, down. Yeah, to- we'll play. We'll play some uh, nine ball <laughs> with Peepers. I'd love it, my friend. Best to you and your All family. Right. God bless you. Okay, I love you. Thank Bye. you. Gary Goldman wanted me to tell you that was thirty minutes he'll never get back. That's my pal. And do you see what I'm saying? This is why I need Phil to accept his rotten feet. <laughs> He's so full of it, man. I know. <laughs> but but honestly, like what Gary went through and, and just hearing him talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's incredibly powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, so brave. Like, I don't have the courage to talk about that stuff. And the idea of getting to the point where, you, you know, it's OK to be vulnerable. Like, yeah, that's a bridge. I have difficulty walking over. But like you see where it's taken them and. I don't know. That's just that was really, really cool stuff to hear. People like Gary are special. They make the world more authentic. You think? Yeah. Yeah. He's so thoughtful. Everything he says is well thought out. Yeah, I, I like him a great deal. He, he's he's been through it. He's he's turned his the experience. He's faced the experience, and then he's turned it into art. And now he can also communicate about it and 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 pass that meaning on that meaning he has to him onto other people. Uh, yeah. And people that, that can hear it, you know, it can really help them. It's, like, it's truth. Like, yeah, I, I got a great deal of um, I got a great deal of uh, connection and uh, and comfort when I when I use the phrase, because this actually when it happened to me is I couldn't hear laughter anymore. And it resonated with him. I, I didn't like hearing that in the interview. I didn't like living it. Maybe a little sad. Go I'll ahead. be honest with you that uh, that was so powerful to me. Like I, it, it kind of I don't know. It, it knocked me around. Because yeah. I don't I don't picture you like dealing with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, to say, I mean, you're in the middle of all that and you can't even hear the laughter like that was such a powerful image. And it all it made me want to do was like find you and give you a big bear hug. You know, <laughs> I was just like, sorry, you had to deal with that. I, no, I just it, it was it was I felt I felt comfortable and safe enough to say it to Gary. And I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad it resonated with you guys because yeah. you people take me for granted. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. Oh. There's that passive aggressiveness. It's Not just so wonderful. It's aggressive, aggressive, you fucks. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's again to get back to that thing of like and and you guys kind of talked about it with like the whole thing of the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. That was Tony Soprano. Like he didn't want to talk about it and and make it a deal and look vulnerable. Now in Tony's case, it was because he didn't want to get whacked right. by other members of the of the family. But I get that. Like you know, and I don't know whether that's the, the age I am and, and what I grew up with. But like this image of like men don't talk about these things and we don't show any weakness and you don't want to show that vulnerability because people will use it against you. 
And to hear him talk about like you, you have these fears. And then when you bring it, when you, when you verbalize it and you present it to people that you find this wonderful, like level of support. And it's so much better than you would have thought it ever would have been. And you're, you're a more powerful and, and whole person because of it, which I think is just amazing. Yeah, and you, but you find that support outside of your house. Because when I, when I started going, yeah, wasn't in my house. Pop, I'm not happy. Welcome to Earth. Yeah, that was... That's Joe. Yeah, yeah. I was the first one to go for any kind of counseling, any kind of, any kind of anything. I was like, this, this can't be right, you know? And, uh, but he's right. But, and that was the big fear I had was uh, it wasn't supported culturally in my family. Yeah. Well, I think it's... Uh... It's a balance of, you know, that song, no one to hold them, no one to show them. Kenny Rogers. No Kenny one to Rogers. walk yeah, away. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the good philosophy to have. Like, good, you, you know when ph- to open up mm-hmm. and when you should not open up. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. That's a, that's a great point because the people that go overboard and mm-hmm. overshare and it's, it's like, okay. Okay, like you need to you need to adjust the spigot on those emotions, so yeah. that we're not sort of like over because then you see those people coming and you're like, I don't, I can't deal with this today. Yeah. you know, it's no, like almost too much. No matter how much you love him, see, <laughs> every day I got to deal with him. <laughs> <laughs> One more day, if I got to hear about those feet, ah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the rash and the shame, my friend. <laughs> so great. Oh, you know, you know he's going to get hit in the face with the pie, and you still love it every single time. Yeah. I love it. And Gary did what every comic does: took his uh, took his personal experience, put it through the, the the grinder, made it into art, helped other people. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah. And I like I like when he's helping other people, and he's he cited the importance of a mentor. Yeah. You know. That that was really cool. I, I think it, it is important to have people in your life who you can emulate mm-hmm. or um, can keep you on your toes. Yeah. Get you, advice from. And, Everybody needs a concierge. Yeah. <laughs> and and tell you when you mess up. Yeah. That's really important. That's not important. That's a wife. I have that. <laughs> I've got that. I live yeah. with those guardrails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like any, especially when you start now in any career. I think we've all had that person that is sort of like pulled us aside and, and told us the way of that world and say, hey, this is what you want to watch out for. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope that we've all sort of had that. I know I've had that in radio, you know, where I've had people sort of tell me things that that helped me deal with this whole industry. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know this is not the first time we've heard a comedian cite you as being a mentor, you know, and uh, and, and helping them out at a very young age. Mm-hmm. So. I think you're the mentor to a lot of people, to be I, honest with you. I don't need that kind of friggin' pressure, all right? <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, Adam has that pouring out of his pores. What? This is what you got to do. Is it? <laughs> yeah. This is what you got to do, all right? Mm. I know a guy. Me. Yeah, some people appreciate it, and, and, and some people don't. I like dirty shit enough. So, you know, I just, just... <laughs> just want to help you, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> And and but you got to keep going. You got that was the big thing I took away. And that's and uh, and when depression hits me and oh it got me bad the other day. But when it hits me, it's just you got to put your feet on the ground and just keep moving through it. You know mm-hmm. that's what. Yeah, yeah. I got it the other day. My wife was uh, my wife was building this closet system. She's got. She's outside <laughs> with a mallet. I'm it, si- it I'm sitting insane. in the studio right here. I'm working. I'm trying not to look up because as soon as I look up, I'm going to hear Adam. I'm like ah, oh, she saw me. <laughs> 
I'm in a huge depression. I'm just trying to get the motor going to get a little bit of momentum to get out. Oh, I got to write some jokes and I really feel miserable. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, no, I don't. I'm going to burn it all down. You know, it's one of those systems. If you don't hit the piece in and they're all flush, it throws off the whole thing. Yeah, so that like it, it doesn't fit together. It's like a little PVC plumbing thing you put together to build this this thing for her closet. But you can't uh-huh. put them all in. You can't put them all. They they all got to be placed in. And you figured it out. I did figure it out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're <laughs> Alex, did you ever think about leaning out and just yelling, "Honey"? I did that. <laughs> yeah. I did that. I mimicked Adam. Yeah. And all I got was. <laughs> 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 I'm like, wow. <laughs> I was in here working. I was trying. I had to write so I can I can write jokes that that hit the collective unconscious and be a, a solve to other people. Okay, reality translation. Watching YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was searching for inspiration. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love that conversation of the collective unconscious. That you know the stuff you're trying to tap into and the, all those. My interpretation is shared emotions, shared experiences that we all have, but we don't always verbalize. And that's why when somebody speaks of them on stage, particularly comedians or Mm -hmm. truth tellers, like that's why that resonates so deeply and so strongly with people. That's one of the best things I like about my job. When I can uh, articulate a feeling someone's been having for a while, that's that experiential Mm -hmm. laugh I love I love to get. And, you know, I'm I'm so glad that that you and Gary and so many people have been able to go to therapy and and deal with these problems head on and and have these breakthroughs and become better people on the other side of it. I've only gone to a therapy session once and it wasn't a really great experience for me. It was when I was really young. So I have not been back in like 40 years, you know. All right. Well, Stern, I, I, I would support any choice you make because I love you, but maybe it's time you go back. <laughs> maybe just saying you got a couple issues. You can start Stern. talking about this story and see where it takes you because you've been carrying this around for 40 years. <laughs> okay. So, and, and by the way, I want to point out, this was not, there was nothing inappropriate done. Like I wasn't touched in a place I should have been touched or right. none of that. It, we right. went... My brother was going through some, I don't know, some crap. He was a teenager and he, you know, whatever. He he got in a lot of trouble. So we went to a family therapy session and I was skeptical even as a young kid. How old are you now? And, uh, I, I had to be about like 12, 13, something like that. Okay. So and my brother was probably was 16, I guess, at the time. Okay. And we go and we're sitting down and I'm sitting across from this bookshelf and I swear to God, Adam. I look in the middle of the bookshelf and there is a camera lens, a camera filming everything that we're doing. And I'm I'm just like, look at that. What the hell's going on here? And then, you know, we're talking some more and I look up into the the chandelier. Yeah. And there's literally a microphone like strapped to the like the center of the chandelier. Hold it. Hold it. Where'd you go to therapy? The Kremlin? Where the hell did you go to therapy? (laughs) I was like, we're being taped. This is the fans are going to have everything on us. We can't say nothing in front of this guy. I was so like freaked out and pissed off. And then finally, they, you know, they come to me because I'm not saying anything. This is all going to be evidence that will be used against me at a later date. I was like, screw this. So finally, they come to me and they're like, well, Mark, how do you feel about your brother? And. Adam, I know I'm not Italian. Mm. I know I would like to be Italian. I felt this was a very Italian response. I was like, he's my brother. I love him. I'm always going to love him. Mm. Anybody got a problem with that? They can see me outside. 
Like I was just like, that's my guy. Like any good 12 year old should answer. (laughs) (laughs) You hear that? You guys sitting out in the van. You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Any more questions? (laughs) I'm going to get a friggin' ice cream. (laughs) That is a crazy story. That's a creepy story. It's totally creepy. Now do you understand why I've never been back? Yeah. I figured it's just more sophisticated listening devices they have Mm. that I won't be able to see. I don't trust any of that. That's why when I go to therapy, I'm in a park and I cover my mouth in case anyone's watching. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, we'll just lay it all out here. Mm. It depends on the therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, and his approach, most most people's approach, it could be behavioral approach. It could be, you know, an approach of, of, of regression. In, in Mark's case, the approach was blackmail. So, <laughs> Goodness. Extortion. Yeah. Goodness. But I, I, yeah. I do believe that people find therapy in different ways. Yeah. Some people need to talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, who gets paid to hear. Yeah. Or some people could be in an Uber and start talking to the driver. And they feel better. Yeah. I like to drive by myself long distances. That's what I like to do. <laughs> and talk to yourself. Yeah. Talk to, well, sometimes I talk to myself, but yeah, I usually know that I'm full of shit. So it's just, it's, <laughs> it's enough. The driving is just enough to me and the connection with the car is just enough for me to keep that crazy part of my mind busy. So it's just a nice yeah. connection with the car on the road. That's, and yeah. that, that's the thing about, I learned about therapy. It's not just, oh, it's all done now. It's great. No, it's just a constant battle of who's going to win, who's going to lose. Holy shit, she's putting together a closet system. This is going to suck for the next hour and a half. <laughs> what tools do I have to get Pick through this? Yes. <laughs> but no, I really uh, believe that walking on the set, you go for your walk. What yeah. is that? That's therapy. You yeah. go for a hike, Mark. What is that? You see, you see a little bird. You see a frog. Mm-hmm. That's therapy. Yeah. That's my wife. My wife goes in the back, feeds her creatures. It's therapy. Mm-hmm. And, your, yeah. and, and your coping mechanism shits all over my car. So I got to make... <laughs> hey, there's a give and take. I got to make sacrifices for the woman I love. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah and like I a... guess we find our peace. And I know we all have friends um, that, we can, that we can lean on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're going through tough times. And I've always felt more comfortable talking to people I know and trust and I'm fairly certain aren't wired, mm-hmm. you know, aren't wearing a wire um, as opposed to going to talk to a stranger. I just, I, I, that's, I don't want to say scarred me, mm-hmm. but I just have never felt comfortable in that environment. Never wanted to go back. I don't blame you, Mark. That would be a huge trust issue for me. I mean, that's why I think it took so much courage for Gary to check himself yeah. to therapy oh. like that. Yeah. That Jeez. That is a big scare for me. What? I don't know if it's yeah. all the movies I've seen, mm-hmm. but to me, that's a no, no, no. I, I do not give you permission to not let me out. <laughs> oh, right. When you commit yourself, you can yeah. get out if you commit yourself. Can you? Yeah. Okay. As far as you know. So I'm just, shut up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly what I mean. Camille. That takes some cojones. Yes. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. He has trust. Yeah. He's but it got to be so time. bad. I mean, when it, he had the same experience I did. You, you can't do anything. It's like you're running in mud. You know, nothing. Right. You can't do it. So any any kind of treatment is better than what you're feeling now. But he walked forward. He did. Do yeah. you understand? Yeah. He walked yes. forward. I mean, that takes a lot. Yeah. I, I love that. I know. I, I do it every that. day. You'd you think you'd appreciate me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'll tell you, you know, what was my favorite thing that what? you guys talked about is right at the beginning when, when he said, Adam, you told me the greatest thing to do when you have a TV pitch meeting. Right. Uh, and when they, when you sit down, and you told them, told them you're so busy, you got tons of meetings, you got yeah. no time for this meeting. And that made such sense to me, because if you appear wanted by somebody else, what's the one thing you want to do? Yeah. You want to grab that and have it for your own. Yeah. If anything looks like it's like that. It's just that's the perfect advice. I love that. Yeah, it's all bullshit. It's all <laughs> it's, it's all bullshit. Tactic. It's all it's all it's, it's couching water. That's what you do in can see, can I get you some water? And you just you make a joke about it. I used to go, listen, just so you guys know, this water is excellent. The shit they're serving over at NBC. I don't know <laughs> if they have a fluoride problem, but this is just lovely. <laughs> I loved catching up with Gary. I really, I really did. And it was, we were trying to get this, uh, coordinate our schedule so we could do this. And I'm really grateful he's made some time for us. If you get a chance to see Gary live, I highly recommend it. He is a very, very funny guy uh, and a courageous guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very proud of what he did. Yeah. And uh, deal with what you have to deal with and, you know, and ask yourself some tough questions. Where is your fungus? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I think they want to get a hold of us. Where do they go? I will kill you if you ever ask me that question. <laughs> the Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Ah, the show is growing. It's all because of you. Thank you for telling somebody you love about the show. If you get a chance to re- leave us a review, that helps us with our friend, Mr. Algorithm. Uh, we are all in this together, brothers and sisters. So please share the road and always remember that life is hard. So you take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Don't peace. Right, no bullshit, I'm serious. I just, just I don't want you to be on a horse. I don't want you to be on TV. I don't want you to be on the air. Right, just pick me up. Just a normal ride. Okay. I really want you and Dr. Yang to show up on a horse.